Amen. What a wonderful night to gather for worship. I'm going to pray before we turn to God's Word tonight. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful for this opportunity to gather together to worship you. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for uh, just the gift of Christmas, uh, the gift that not only was given uh, 2,000 years ago, but the gift that keeps on giving uh, today. Uh, Lord, as we enter this time of just spending time in your word, uh, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit of God go before us. Lord, for those who have never heard the message of the gospel before, or to those who have heard the gospel before but never received you as Lord and Savior, I pray tonight uh, they will receive you, and that gift uh, will change their life for eternity. Lord, for those of us who have already uh, professed faith in Christ, who are children of God, Lord, I ask that you just remind us uh, each and every day of the beauty of Christmas. Uh, Lord, let it not be something that uh, we just celebrate one time a year, but let it be uh, the praise that is in our hearts and on our lips every single day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. When you think about uh, Christmas, oftentimes we, we think about the, the giving and receiving of gifts. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, growing up, uh, I always loved receiving gifts. That was like the highlight of my year. Uh, in fact, uh, my brother and I, I have a 13-month-old, uh, a brother who's 13 months older than me, uh, every year we would get the Sears magazine. Some of you may remember that. And uh, it would be pretty thick, and uh, you would grab that magazine, and my brother and I, we would sit, uh, sit down, and we would flip to the back where the Christmas section was, and, and we had this idea that on every single page, we were going to circle that one thing that if we could get, that's what we would want. And we would go through it. We would circle the one thing that we wanted. We couldn't double up, so we had to put our initials next to the thing that we wanted to get. And uh, that was kind of like one of those things. Like, we, we just hope we get these items that are on these pages. And uh, growing up, our, our, our parents would do something. Uh, about a, about a, a few weeks before Christmas, they would begin to put tree, uh, Christmas presents underneath the tree. And uh, it, it, I couldn't wait to figure out uh, and know what was under there. Uh, in fact, there were times where I didn't even wait. Uh, I would uh, very carefully remove uh, the wrapping paper off the box and try to put uh, the tape right back where it was so that it would line up. Well, my mom uh, figured out what was going on and uh, certainly got disciplined for that one. But the next year would come and, and it just still, I see that present underneath there and I'm trying to weigh it, shake it, you know, all those things. I got to find out what this particular gift is. So I, I got a little bit more creative because I didn't want to get in trouble again. Uh, we had a dog named Jasper. Jasper was, uh, he was amazing. Uh, he was a wild thing, to be honest with you. He, he was the one that you never knew what he was going to do, but it was a story behind it. And uh, so I, I decided, all right, I'm going to get Jasper to help me out uh, with my Christmas gift opening prior to Christmas. And so I would take, uh, I think they called it doggy jerky, but basically like a beef jerky, and I would rub it on the side of the box, and I would let him loose. And within a matter of seconds, uh, he would open up that box, and I would say, Mom, Dad, Jasper opened up another one of my, it happened to be my gift. I opened up one of my gifts, and I'll never forget, one year I got a G.I. Joe military belt that had a plastic knife, a canteen, and a compass. I mean, it was amazing. So Jasper was uh, my hero for a very, very long time, but I think my parents finally figured out that it was just my gifts that were getting opened, and so for, for then on, we, we never had gifts underneath the tree until uh, we woke up on Christmas Day. But I always loved receiving gifts, but now that I've, as I've gotten older, and now that I'm a husband and, and a father, uh, I, I love uh, giving gifts more than receiving gifts. And, and when we, in our family, my wife and I, when we give our children gifts, we, we try to do something uh, extremely special for them. And it reminds me of last year. 
last year, uh, around this time, uh, a little about November time, uh, my wife and I started talking about getting a dog. And our kids have been begging us for a dog for years. And, and a couple reasons why we didn't. One, I, I can barely afford the four kids that we have, right? Uh, and, and two, we, we, their stress level is insane. Why add something else, right? Uh, but I think probably the bigger issue was my wife and I had pets growing up as kids. And, uh, but when that time comes and they're no longer with you, I mean, it's just so hard. But I remember somebody telling me, because uh, I would share with them why we didn't get a pet, and they'd say, so you're going to miss out on all those amazing memories because the dog's not going to last forever. And it kind of put things in perspective. Well, in November time frame, my wife called me up at work, and she's like, I think I found the puppy that we should get. I think you need to call this particular person. So I called up the upstate of uh, South Carolina to this particular lady, uh, worked out all the details, and we decided that we would give the dog uh, to our kids uh, on December 26th. And if you remember from last year, December 26th was on a Sunday, so we had worship service that morning. Uh, so my wife and I decided that after worship service, we would get in the car and we would drive up to the upstate of South Carolina, which was about a four-hour drive there and a four-hour drive back. And I was like, well, if we just get in the car and do that, our kids are going to figure it out. So well, let's try to keep it a secret as much as we can. And I said, you tell them that we're going we're gonna to go to Abbeville, South Carolina. It's a small little town. And, and we used to drive through there to go to my wife's uh, um, nanny's house. And uh, they had it lit up and all that good stuff. And so uh, my wife would tell the kids that after church on Sunday, we're going to go up to Abbeville because dad wants to look at some lights, Christmas lights. And, and they were like, so we're going to drive four hours up. And four hours back to look at Christmas lights, and my wife said, your dad's been working really hard. If that's what he wants, then, then we need to do everything we can to do that. So we get in the car. We start driving. Uh, it's a long drive. We stopped in Columbia for lunch, and, which made it even longer. And uh, we ended up uh, meeting, we were going to meet this uh, particular person in Due West, South Carolina, which is a really, really small town. And uh, my, one of our daughters was reading the GPS, GPS tracker on the, on, in the car, and it said, seven miles to your destination. And uh, she, she says, so you're telling me in seven miles out of nowhere, there's going to be a town with all these Christmas lights. And I'm thinking, yeah, but then I realize she has in her mind that this is going to be like the upstate version of James Island County Park lights. And this, she's going to be very, very disappointed. Well, uh, we go down this dirt road, we pull into this house, and we, at that time we say, we're getting a dog. And of course, they go crazy. So we get there, and uh, we meet our dog for the very first time. And here's the kids, uh, their first picture with the dog. Uh, little Jethro, look how tiny he is. You can barely see him right there in the middle. Uh, and uh, so we get in the car, we're heading back. And uh, going up, we didn't run through Abbeville, but going back, we did. And we get through Abbeville, which is like nothing. And our daughter goes, uh, if this is why we came up here, if this was the only reason, we would be really, really mad at you. But we're thankful we got a dog. Well... A couple minutes after that, our son is in the very, very back of the car, and he's, like, just sobbing. And I'm thinking, like, all right, what's wrong? You know, and so we're trying to talk to him. What's wrong? He's not saying a word to us. He regroups. Everything's quiet. Fifteen minutes later, he's sobbing again. And we're still asking him what's wrong. He's not saying anything. So at this point, I'm thinking, what's going through his mind? He might be thinking, man, Dad and I, we're the only males in the house. We're doing a pretty good job. Why do we need another male in the house, right? Is, you know, what's, is he having some kind of issue that we need to work through? Did I just make a huge mistake getting this dog? And then all of a sudden he said something. He said, I'm just so excited. I'm just so excited. So it's almost been a year. Monday, this coming Monday will be a year. And this is uh, our dog with our kids now. So there he is right in the middle. Yeah. So he's a cutie. He's had great memories uh, already for us. And for that, we are very, very, very thankful. Uh, but I began to think about that. that he, 
My son was speechless in that moment. He didn't have words to say. And I guarantee you, if we were to just poll the, the congregation today, the crowd today, many of us would look back in our past and we would think about a Christmas that, that meant so much, a gift that meant so much that we would not have words to say. Well, far greater than any gift that we can receive or give to someone on this earth is the gift that God gave to us on Christmas Day. Uh, in fact, uh, I love uh, what the Apostle Paul writes uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 15. He says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, the context of this verse is that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Who uh, The church in Corinth was made up of mostly uh, Christians who came from a Gentile background, non-Jew background. Uh, and he's encouraging them. He's trying to motivate them to give to the church in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, uh, the church was made up primarily of, of those who came from Jewish background. And they were experiencing uh, financial hardship because of a famine that went through the land. So they didn't have food. They didn't have necessities of life. And, and here you have, uh, prior to the gospel of Jesus Christ, prior to the cross... You had a group of people that couldn't be any more separated than these two groups of people. We think about uh, disunity and conflict and chaos in our world today. You go back then and you want to talk about racial divide, cultural divide, it's far greater than today. And Paul is motivating them to, to be generous, to be joyous givers. And how does he motivate them? He talks about this inexpressible gift. Uh, the phrase there, inexpressible gift, this is the only time that it's mentioned uh, in the New Testament. So it's a very unique word. It refers to a gift so great that it cannot be fully described. A gift that goes beyond uh, mere words. A, a gift so great that you can't fully value it and you really can't fully appreciate it. Now what is this in, inexpressible gift? Well, we're celebrating Christmas and so it reminds us of God's amazing gift to us. Indescribable gift to us and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And, and there's a verse that really sums up this. And it's probably a verse that many of us have heard before, maybe even have it memorized. Uh, but I encourage you, don't, don't lose sight of the beauty of this one verse. And what is that verse? John 3.16. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I love when you read the literal Greek, it says it like this. It says, for so God loved the world, so as his son, I mean his one and only son, he gave in order that every single one, without exception, ex exercising faith in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. This one verse uh, captures the, the greatness uh, and the beauty of why we celebrate Christmas. Think about what this verse tells us. This verse tells us about the greatest news, the greatest news. Uh, the reality is, when you think about great news, some of us have received great news before, uh, but what makes the news great is understanding the content, right? Because if we're not careful, the greatest news that we ever heard can become just okay news or so-so news. And that's why this verse is so important because it reminds us of why this is the greatest news. The beginning of John 3.16, the scripture says, For God so loved the world. Think about the two parties involved here. You have God and you have the world. When you think about God, you think about someone who is perfect and holy and powerful and has all authority and all wisdom, all knowledge. Everything is uh, created for him and by him. And to worship him, uh, the one who is holy and just. When you think about the world, he's, 
the scripture is not talking about like earth and ground. He's talking about humanity, people. And think about humanity apart from Christ. We're wicked. We're rebellious. We're uh, enslaved into our sins. We are everything that is the direct opposite of who God is. And so he's talking about you and he's talking, talking about me today. And it says that God so loved the world. A love that is so great. A love that is so unfathomable. A love that cannot be fully comprehended. When you think about God's love, I love what Herschel Hobbes says. He says, the real essence of, of love is that God loves us. We are so unworthy, so contrary to everything that God is in his nature that we should not complain if he were utterly repulsed by what and who we are. But God loves us not for what we are, but despite it. And that is, that is the great news that you and I desperately want. I mean, think about it. Deep down in every single one of us, even if we acknowledge it or not, we want what? We want to be loved. In fact, we want to be loved so much, we will go to great lengths to put our best foot forward, right? We will go to great lengths to, to have that great first impression. We want to continue that impression so that we will show the people around us that we are desirable and that we are worthy to be loved. And because this is true, oftentimes we find ourselves living in fear. Why? Because we're afraid that the people that are around us are going to discover what is true about us. And when they discover what is actually true about us, maybe, just maybe, they're not going to love us anymore. Why? Because if we're honest, we're not that easy to love, right? I mean, we could be quite difficult to love. But here's the beauty of Christmas. God knows everything about you. Everything that you try to hide, everything that you try to suppress, he knows the worst about you, and he still loves you greatly. Christmas is God's declaration to the world that I love you. Now think about how God decided to shout from heaven how much he loves you and how much he loves me. Well, that leads us to the second thing this verse teaches us. It teaches us about the greatest gift, the greatest gift. God's incredible, indescribable love went into action. How? John says in the second part of verse 16 that he, speaking of God the Father, gave his only son. This is amazing grace. To a world, to a people who are sinful and rebellious towards God, God takes the initiative. When God wanted to shout from heaven how much he loved you and how much he loved me, he did not send an angel. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That phrase, one and only son, or you may have a translation, I've heard a translation that says uh, only begotten son. Uh, it's talking about the uniqueness of who Jesus is. There is none like him. What makes Jesus so unique? Well, one, we, we find in John's gospel that he is eternal. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the scripture says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word referring to Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John tells us that Jesus didn't begin when he came to earth on Christmas Day. Jesus has always existed. Prior to creation, he has always existed He's driving us back to the words found in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God, the eternal God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, created the heavens and the earth. And that's the second thing that we learn, that Jesus is the creator. John, in his gospel, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So James, uh, John is making the connection between the God of creation in Genesis chapter 1 
and the, the God Jesus who is here in John chapter 1. Everything that exists comes from Jesus. Who made you? Who made me? Jesus Christ. Jesus is also the giver of life. We see that in verses 4 through 5 in John chapter 1. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So John speaks of the fact that Jesus is light. The same light that penetrated the darkness in Genesis chapter 1 is the, is the same light that penetrates the darkness here in John chapter 1. He's the one that brings life, eternal life, supernatural life. He sustains life. He provides life. He is the source of life. But we also know that there's opposition to that light. The scripture here talks about darkness. When we think about darkness, we think about sin. We th think about evil. We think about everything that opposes what Jesus represents. We also know that Jesus is unique because he's God in the flesh. God in the flesh. The miracle of all miracles is that Jesus, the word, became flesh. He becomes skin and bones. He bleeds like you and I believe. Think about that. He experiences pain and suffering, heartache, hardship, all those different things. Jesus confronts the world. As light, he came into our darkness. He came into our sin. He comes into those places that makes us sad. He came into all of our faults, all of our times that we fake, right? That first impression that is fake. He knows about all those different things. He enters into our failures, our dysfunctions, our disappointments. God comes to you and I. He came into the real world of, guess what? Poverty and hunger, addiction, alcoholism, abuse, broken families, broken homes, natural disasters, marital infidelity, rebellious runners. That's the world that God came into. He left his throne in heaven to come here where we reside. It's into that kind of darkness, that perverseness, that brokenness, that the God of the universe, who would have been perfectly fine to turn his back on humanity, decides to enter into that humanity. He came into the world of guilt and shame, stress and anxiety, rebellious teenagers, anybody experiencing that right now? Worn out moms, defeated dads, he came in the midst of depression and anxiety and grief and sadness, hurt, pain, relational tension, financial difficulty, unmet expectations, everything that frustrates you, everything that makes you afraid, everything that even makes you angry. All of that stuff that describes our lives today, he comes into that. God has graciously taken the initiative to bring the gospel of his good news to us through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. He has come to show grace and to show truth. That is the greatest message, and that is the greatest gift of his son. And that leads to our final point this morning, or this evening, uh, the greatest life, the greatest life. Think about it. To the weak and weary sinner, God's word says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, you and I enter into this world by physical birth, perishing. Uh, that word perishing doesn't mean uh, to no longer exist or to be annihilated. Uh, it, it means to be separated to, uh, for eternity, to, to experience uh, the wrath of God for eternity, to experience uh, eternal torment in a place called hell. And I know people don't want to talk about that very often, but that is where we 
come into this world. We're destined for that place from day one. From the moment that you breathe life into this earth, your trajectory, your journey is headed to that direction. And yet, Christmas reminds us that God intervenes. He comes to those who are guilty. And why are we guilty? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. That's past tense. It's a done deal. It's already happened, right? We have already sinned. And then the scripture continues on, and fall short of the glory of God. That's in the present tense. That means daily. In action, in word, and thought, we are daily doing what? We're, we're sinning against the Lord, against God's standards. Not man's standards, but God's standards. And because of that, we're separated from him. We realize the weight of no matter how good our intentions are, it's never, ever going to be good enough. And because of that, we have earned something. What have we earned? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing contrast. We've earned death, perishing, but God has gifted us eternal life through his Son. How so? Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while you were in the midst of your sin, God shows his tremendous love for you and tremendous love for me by dying for us. That's the Savior that we worship. That's the Savior that we celebrate on Christmas Day. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake he, speaking of God, made him, speaking of Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the great exchange. Think about exchanging gifts for just a moment. How many of you all have had that opportunity in life where you have a gift exchange, maybe at your workplace or uh, maybe with a group of friends, and you usually set a limit, right? A $10, $15 limit, and you just show up at this particular house or in the break room or wherever you're having your gathering, and, and you, it's the mystery gifts all around you, right? And then people open them up, and there's different rules and regulations that people have, but, you know, sometimes the gift that you get on the initial go is the gift that you keep the whole time. But, but if you want to get real crazy, then you can have a little strategy, right, to where uh, when it's your turn, you can either pick the gift that somebody else has opened or you can take the one that hasn't been opened yet, right? So there's all this strategy because you know deep down there's a gift that somebody brought that absolutely nobody wants, right? You don't want to be that person that's walking out of that room with that thing that's been handed down from gift exchange, from gift exchange, from gift exchange, that you... If, it, it didn't make the $15 cut, right? It was like $2, family dollar. They showed up. They came back with something amazing. You got nothing, right? Think about how even greater that is when we think about the gift exchange that God did on our behalf on Christmas Day with Jesus Christ. We gifted him our sinfulness, right? And in return, he gifted us back his righteousness, his holiness. That, that is an amazing exchange, right? Our filthy rags exchange for his holiness, his holiness, so that you and I, when we receive the finished work of Christ, when we trust in him, the scripture says that we receive eternal life. Now that begs the question, what is eternal life? There's a lot that can be said about that, but I think what Jesus says is so important about eternal life. He's in a prayer with his father right before he goes to the cross, and he says in John 17, verse 3, he says, and this is eternal life. This is important, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life 
isn't just what we experience when we go to heaven, right? It's what we can experience now. It's about a relationship with our Creator through the work of Jesus Christ. That's key. Listen, there is no heaven for you if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? But the moment that you receive Christ as your Savior, then you experience eternal life in Him from this day forward. You see, eternity exists for every single person. But what you decide to do with Jesus Christ determines where your eternity will be. It'll either be in hell, again, separated from God. Anything that resembles the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, you will be cut off forever. But in Christ, and only in Christ, you will forever experience the peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God, the approval of God, the family of God. That is the Savior that we have. So when you think about eternal life, it's not just about how long you live. It's, the, it's about the quality of that life lived. Now, it's important to understand that when we think about uh, quality of life, we're, we're not talking about this prosperity idea that when I receive Jesus Christ, then I'm going to have perfect health and great wealth and all those things. That may be true, but it's far greater than that, right? Again, at the end of the day, when you're all by yourself, the deep longings of your heart is, again, you want to know that you are loved. And again, there is no greater love shown to us than that of the love of God by sending his son, Jesus Christ, into this earth. That's why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. So that begs the question, have you received this inexpressible gift? Have you put your trust fully in Jesus Christ? The reality is, maybe you're here tonight and you want to receive Jesus, right? You want to trust in him. But when you look at your life, you think about everything that awaits you when you leave these very doors tonight, right? You think about uh, your life, you think about uh, your marriage, your relationships, you think about uh, your finances, your health, the things that you struggle with, the pain from the past, the pain of today, and the grief for tomorrow. All those things are unknown and unexpected. And here's what we realize with Christmas. Christmas reminds us that whatever we are walking through now, whatever we walked through in the past, and whatever we may walk through in the future, God is with us. Your fear can be replaced with courage. Your anxiety can be replaced with peace. Your places of great discomfort can be replaced with even greater joy. Your places of bondage and captivity to sin can be replaced with gospel freedom. Your times of being alone and lacking companionship can now be replaced with the very presence of God in your life. And where you are weak, through the Spirit of God that lives in you, you can be strong. And where you once faced addiction, turmoil, grief, sadness, pain, and all those areas of your life, God reminds you time and time again that He loves you. That He loves you. God shouts from heaven, I love you. There is no gift under the Christmas tree that you will open tomorrow that even comes close to the gift that was nailed to the tree on Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment. And as I pray, I just want you to spend time with the Lord.
if you're here and you've already received Christ as your Savior, uh, maybe as you just think through uh, John 3.16 and 2 Corinthians uh, 9.15, you, you realize, you know what, I, I've gotten so uh, out of whack when it comes to just settling in on the beauty of Christmas and why that is so important for me. Maybe you've gotten all out of whack because of all the business of the season or, or thinking that it's, it's about what you purchase and how much you purchase that makes things right. Or maybe you're here and, and Christmas is the hardest thing for you because of a, a lost loved one or, or maybe you've experienced a pet that passed away or whatever that is that's bringing you sorrow and grief. Let Christmas be a time of celebration for you. Be reminded of the joy that we have because of Jesus Christ coming here, God with us. And maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, it's the greatest message, the greatest news, the greatest gift, which leads to your greatest life, eternal life, with a relationship with your Creator. God wants you to have that today. But there's only one way and one way only. That is to receive, to trust in Jesus Christ, His Son. So I'm going to pray for us. And as you pray, as you spend time with the Lord, I pray that there would be tremendous confession and repentance of sin and a renewed trust or maybe new trust in the furnace work of Christ. Let us pray together. Lord, as we uh, finish our time in your word, Lord, thank you for uh, the simple message of the gospel found in John 3.16. Lord, thank you for uh, the reminder for us as uh, followers of Christ, children of God who have received you uh, in faith, by grace through faith. Lord, that there is no greater motivation in life than that of pointing us back to you coming to this earth and doing what we cannot do and standing in our place lord so this christmas we celebrate you unapologetically we celebrate you everywhere we go every person that we see we celebrate christ jesus as our savior lord for those who have never received christ as their savior i pray tonight is their night Lord, if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to them, even if they don't even know how to explain it or even what to say, Lord, I pray that you would confirm uh, in their heart that they are a follower of Christ. Lord, your word says that if they confess with their mouth and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they will be saved. Lord, let that be the, the confession in their life that Jesus Christ is their Savior. To know that everything that needed to happen has been finished in you. Lord, thank you again for the reminder of this Christmas. Lord, I know for many of us, we've heard John 3.16, what seems like a million times. But Lord, I pray that as we just rest at your feet, as we spend time with you, as we pause for just a moment and reflect on your goodness, your greatness, and, and just your love for us, Lord, it would be a, a verse that never grows stale, never grows old, but just gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.